in my lifetime, lots and lots of women entered the workplace. And it's, it's kind of funny in a way that we entered the workplace in which we did, because there was no guidebook for how to do that, how women entered corporate America. So I can remember in my 20s that the fashion thing was like these big shoulder pads and pinstripe suits, you know, with a skirt. And we all sort of looked like misshapen linebackers going into work. <laughs> every day. Oh my gosh, this is cracking me up because I so remember that. Remember that? No, it's like, yes. But, you know, who knew? And it's kind of like the idea was, well, we all learn by imitation. They say that life is full of opportunities, right? So why are so many of us dreading getting out of bed to face another day? I know what that's like. My life was full of conflict, stress, failure, and fear. When I got cancer for the second time, my choice was simple, change or die. Today, I love waking up. I love my life. I love owning my own business that is helping people learn and grow. So how do you unlock that kind of transformation in your life? Let's discover the answers together as we hear from ordinary people like you and me and their extraordinary success stories. My name is Donna Gammon, and this is Power to Grow. Welcome everyone to our show today. I have a very special guest that I know you guys are absolutely going to love. She is a special lady that we have actually had on our show before. And now she has some new things kind of happening in her life and her business. And she has a new book out. So we're going to talk about that today. But I want to welcome to our show. I have been interested in a couple of topics the last few years, and it's consumed my writing life. Um, One of those topics is the topic of aging. Because, you know, like everyone around me, I'm getting older. And Mm -hmm. I don't like the way that we sometimes view aging and not, not only culturally, but then we begin to see ourselves in a certain way that becomes um, stereotyped instead of authentic. And the truth of the matter is um, I'm going to turn 69 this year and I have a lot of women friends, some of who are, who are my age, some who are a little older, some who are, are younger, but we all have the same interests. We hike, we kayak, we live vital lives where we can um, live fully and love well. And so that topic is of interest to me. I, I think that in a certain way, aging is a feminist issue. The second issue that's of interest to me is how far women have come in the last 50 years. When I look at just my lifetime, from the moment that I came of age at 18, what's happened in the last 50 years? And it's kind of stunning. And that's what the new book is about. And the new book is called Creatrix Rising, Unlocking the Power of Midlife Women. And creatrix isn't a made up word, although when I first heard it, I thought it maybe was. But (laughs) it's one of the three Greek fates. And the three Greek fates were the spinner, the weaver, and the cutter. And they kind of ran things in the universe. And if you think about what those three actions are, and they're all feminine actions, um, spinning, you know, we spin with our ideas, we spin with our imagination, and then we finally weave it into um, 
a product or a manifestation, a dream, and then cutting because everything changes and ends. So Creatrix. I love that. Yeah. And and Creatrix was the name of the weaver. And the Mm -hmm. word literally means a woman who makes things. Now, the old paradigm of women in our culture um, wasn't designed by women at all. Surprise, surprise. It was designed by a man. And it was known as the maiden mother crone or the triple goddess paradigm. But maiden Mm. mother crone, it's really kind of worn out. Maiden is a word that doesn't really apply to young women today. It it connotes all kinds of images of virginity and purity and and things that we don't really measure a woman by. Right. Um, Mother still holds true. But then that last piece, crone, most women that I know bristle at that word. And although there have been some groups in the last years that have tried to reclaim that word in some way, no matter how you dress it up, you can't change the etymology of the word. And the etymology means the origin of the word. And this is a word that entered our lexicon in the 1300s, and it meant disagreeable old women. So I don't like the idea that motherhood goes to crone. So it seemed to me that motherhood needed to go to something else, to creatrix. Because when you look around us in our culture today, what middle-aged women and beyond are doing is really astounding. Um, In the midterm elections of 2018, more women ran for local, state, and national office than ever before in our country's history. And you just don't have to look that far to see what women are doing. They're doing it in film, in art, in uh, business, in politics. And so this is our evolutionary moment. This is our Darwinian moment to claim something in ourselves rather than to try to fix something in ourselves or to see the world in a different way. It's like, let's take a look at how far we've come and claim that kind of confidence that wants to come forward, um, what we call empowerment, which I, I sometimes think that empowerment is a word that is, is way, way overused and the meaning is way, way underrepresented. But empowerment really means to have the confidence and authenticity in oneself to stand in the light of your truth and just be who you are in the world. And ladies, this is our time. Absolutely. Wow. That was so beautiful. And I love the way you explained each part of that. It really lets us know what you're trying to represent for us women. So I'm also an older, you know, woman in, in my older age. And, you know, I mean, I'm not, anyway, I am grateful that I have somebody that like you, that is willing to step out and say, look what us women have accomplished. Look what we've done in this world. Look how far, like you said, we've come. And uh, it's just beautiful. I'm, I'm really looking forward to finding out more about your book, reading it. Um, and so share it with us a little bit more, like what really um, pushed you to decide to create this book? Well, I think that the idea of an emerging archetype has been dogging me for the last few years. The idea that there was something missing 
between Mm -hmm. mother and crone. And then I realized that crone was a word that just most women weren't going to identify with. Mm -hmm. But once I got into the exploration of like what had happened just in my lifetime, in just in my lifetime, in the 1970s, unless you had the signature of your husband or another male relative, you couldn't get credit. That's true. You couldn't get a credit card. The, um, the Fair Credit Act of 1974 changed that, of course. In my lifetime, women really entered the workforce in droves in ways that we had never before seen. Now, I think there were a lot of women in the workforce during World War II because so many men were overseas, mm-hmm. you know, fighting the, the battle that um, women stepped up and, you know, it was like they could kind of do anything. I mean, they had their own baseball league and they, you know, worked in factories and, but then World War II ended and we kind of went back to those more traditional roles. But in my lifetime, lots and lots of women entered the workplace. And it's, it's kind of funny in a way that we entered the workplace in which we did, because there was no guidebook for how to do that, how women entered corporate America. So I can remember in my 20s, that the fashion thing was like these big shoulder pads and pinstripe suits, you know, with a skirt, and we all sort of looked like misshapen linebackers going into work. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is cracking me up because I so remember that. Remember that? No, it's like, yes. But you know, who knew? And it's kind of like the idea was, well, we all learn by imitation, or or when you're you know a baby, you learn by imprinting. Um, right. So. So you imitate, there wasn't, a, there really weren't women to imitate. So you imitated a man and you wore the big, you know, padded shoulders and, and whatnot. But then I think about, there was a Newsweek magazine article in, let me get this right, 19, I think it was 83 or 86. I don't have it in front of me, but the, the title of the magazine was, is it too late for Prince Charming? Question mark. And then the feature article inside was this article about how women over the age of 34 had a better chance of being killed by a terrorist than they did of finding a husband at this late age in life. Oh my gosh. And it was kind of a reaction, I think, to so many women, you know, discovering that, oh my gosh, I could have a career. And, you know, sorting through all that grappling of, you know, can I have it all? Can I be a mother and have a career and, you know, how to, to balance all of that. Now, 20 years later, Newsweek decided that they should apologize for that article, that the, the research upon which it was based was faulty. But by then, the idea had already seeped into the culture enough that there was still this um, competitive edge among women for men. And that's something that's changed in my lifetime because I've seen women really come into their own. Like the end game is not necessarily marriage and kids or a partner and kids. Mm-hmm. The end game is what is what is fulfilling to you? What is your what truth? Mm-hmm. And so that's within us. Now, some of the other events that like drove me to this book, because that was the question. It's like, well, why did you write this? It's like, in looking at this history, we now get to the Women's March of 2017, 
which was a monumental event. I was living in the little town of Ashland, Oregon, which has a population of about 21,000 people. And my husband saw the article in the local paper about a women's march. And he said, oh, maybe we should go to this. And so the, the newspaper article said there would be about 600 people there. Well, I got to the Women's March in 2017 in my little town of Ashland, Oregon of 21,000 people. And there were over 10,000 people there. Wow. Women, men. I mean, it's like half the town came out. And it oh was, goodness. I mean, it gives me goosebumps to even think about it. But then, of course, the follow-up to that was what I had told you earlier in 2018, more women ran for local, state, and national office than ever before in our history. So then on the heels of that, you've got, you know, things are revving up a little bit. You've got the hashtag Me Too movement. And what was so crucial about hashtag Me Too was it, it was one of those dirty little secrets that so many women kept that they sometimes spoke in hushed terms in the ladies' room and heard things like, oh, boys will be boys. And that went away because suddenly there was strength in numbers. Hashtag me too and hashtag never again. And you see this rising strength, or as the book title says, this creatrix rising. Creatrix, a woman who makes things. And what does she make? She makes new politics and new policy. She makes art. She makes garden. She makes families in a new way. She is a creator. So um, that's what led to the book, this idea that this is our moment. Mm -hmm. This midlife experience is our moment to name what is inside of us, to name it and then claim it and not be afraid to speak the truth. The true empowerment is the confidence that your authentic self is your best self. I, I absolutely just love everything you're talking about in this book, because, you know, as women do, you know, being able to be empowered to be who we are and to, you know, speak up and say the things that we really feel and, and the things that matter to us are, you know, so empowering for us now. And there's more and more women every day that are doing this. And it's, it's a beautiful thing now. Um, just being able to see how you've taken all of these segments, all of these things that have happened over the years and, and compiled them together to see, look, look where we were and look where we are now. Wow. And you Beautiful. know, from having a podcast and podcasting, I think is one of the great new forms for storytelling. And in I agree. The podcasts of yours that I've listened to, there's always this story and the arc of the story starts with um, the problem or the lack and then arcs in, into the other side, which is the transformative event. Exactly. And of course, that happens in our lives time and time and time again. It doesn't just happen once. It's not... See, I don't, exactly. I don't quite buy the woke thing. I mean, first of all, it's bad grammar, <laughs> but, but it's <laughs> like, you don't just wake up once. It's not a destination. Mm -hmm. We reinvent ourselves and reawaken ourselves time and time and time mm. again. That's really the beauty 
of life. And that's really our purpose here is to keep awakening. So women's stories, all of these little stories strung together, each of them have this little pearl of awakening in them, this little pearl of transformation in them. And I think this is a time for women's stories. You know, um, recently, we, we were all so inspired by the Ruth Bader Ginsburg story. Regardless of your politics, I mean, this was a woman that went to law school where it's like, right. she was the only woman in the class. This tiny, petite little woman that was just, you know, a powerhouse. And where did that come from? You know, it wasn't some special talent, but she was able to go deep inside of herself and find that confidence and bring it forth and not be afraid to shine that light in the world. And so I think that every woman has a story like that. And, and I encourage women to, to find their stories and to record their stories, whether literally record them with a tape recorder or on their phone or um, write them down, but leave a legacy for the women that will come after you. Because I think the job that each of us has, you know, my job now as I, you know, do the last year of my 60s and go into my 70s is that I hold, I picture myself holding a torch. And at some point, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to hand it to the women standing behind me. Because I'll move more towards the stardust and infinity and eternity. So each woman has that moment where she turns around and passes the torch, passes that light, that illumination to the women behind her. And if we can share our stories along with that, there now there forms this little guidebook, you know, this little right. guidebook. That just just that whole visualization of that to think of, you know, I think of my daughter and and me being able to, like you said, share your story and share how you evolved and then, and then to go, okay, it's your turn. Whew, that almost brings emotion to me just by thinking of how, you know, we have such a responsibility to, to, to be who we really are, to show our children, to show our women that are, you know, will come after us that they can continue on and do it too. Right. Ah, it's just so beautiful. Love I that. Think, you know, the stories of our mothers and our grandmothers are so important in that regard. Because even mm -hmm. though you say, well, it was, you know, they didn't have the same um, privilege or opportunity that women today have. But there was something in their lives where they struck out independently and did something differently. And mm -hmm. I, I have a great affinity to my grandmother, Julia, who um, died at home in her bed when she was 90 and lifted big grains, a uh, bag of grains out of her car, you know, in her 80s. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> when, she, when she moved from her farm into uh, the, what she called the city, it was really the suburbs, but she was just disgusted that the backyard was grass. She just thought it was a waste. So she pulled out all the grass and she put in crops. She put in uh. rows of corns <laughs> and beans and blueberries and things. And so she's, uh, she's been a great inspiration in, in my life. The things that she gave me, um, she passed a torch to me as well. And so did mm. my mother, even though mm -hmm. at 17, you know, as I would 
my snarky years, I like to refer to them as, in my snarky years when I would roll my eyes at my mom, I realized how, as a working mother at a time when not that mother, many mothers were working, um, how challenging that was for her and how much grace she handled her work life with. Um, she was quite amazing in that way. And she gave me a sense of independence that it's like, yeah, women can do this. They can break out of traditional roles. I just, I love that so much. Well, I usually always asked, what is it that made this biggest shift for you to write a book in, in this way to really emphasize, you know, women and the, you know, awakening and, and being able to be the person that they are and continue to grow and to learn. And like you said, pass the torch. What was it that really made you want to do this and make that, you know, make this beautiful book for, for other women? I think the big shift for me was twofold. One was that I, I realized at a certain point in my life, it's like, huh, I've got something to say. I think I can be helpful. And the other piece of that was I saw a lot of women much younger than me that had a tendency towards um, competition and a kind of meanness that comes with that. Mm. And I went, you know, older women can never really mentor or elder by reading somebody's beads for them. You have to act in the world. You have to show by example. You can't really tell someone how to do it. So my example became that I became very interested in uplifting other women. I have a passion for helping and uplifting other women. And so that's what has been informing my writing the last few years. And that was what birthed this book, is a passion to, to help, a passion to uplift. And, uh, and I decided, I guess, that I really had something to say. Uh, well, it sounds beautiful. I think it's going to be amazing. I really think this is going to be something that women will be able to read and, and say, you know, if they're not, you know, within their own power and, and speaking their own voice and being able to do that, it will empower them to see that they can do that and they do have a choice. And so I think it's a beautiful thing that you've done. So um, can you share with me, because you, you've talked a little bit about um, how you love to help and inspire women. Now, I know that you also have a business that you actually do that as well. So can you share with us a little bit about that? Actually, I don't have a business. I, I write. Just your book. You I, just write. Wow. I, how did I think I that you had do. most... <laughs> <laughs> Most people on my show do. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, but I will share with you that one of the ways that I take action with um, helping and uplifting other women is I do teach a personal development class in creative writing for Dress for Success Austin. And Dress for oh. Success is a national organization that gives homeless women second chances. They have a retail store which allows women to go in and um, choose clothes. Um, I have actually heard of this. Yes. Beautiful so they can thing. go to interviews and yes. um, 
they get help mm-hmm. writing resumes and presenting uh-huh. themselves for jobs. Uh-huh. And then later on, if they've worked for a company for a while, they are an ambassador for Dress for Success. And um, it's just, it's a wonderful organization. The other place where I've I've shared my talent, skills, and abilities for uplifting other women is I have sometimes taught creative writing to incarcerated women. And I teach a little piece called Rewriting the Ending of Your Story. So there are lots of of ways to help women. I sometimes think that maybe I should, you know, teach or offer a class, but honestly, the writing and the the service work that I do keeps me um, busy enough. And uh, I'm living the life I want to live. So, hey, if you are living the life you want to live, you're doing what you want to do, then you're doing the right thing. So, I love that. So, where could they find this book? Is it Amazon or is there other? Well, um, I always like to mention Amazon because, you know, they're just easy. But because I'm a a lover of books and a lover of bookstores, you can go to bookshop.org. And you can go to IndieBound.org. And what those two um, places do is they they carry the book, but they also donate a certain amount of their proceeds to local bookstores. Um, Mm. And local bookstores, of course, you know, struggle. They struggled before. Yes. Right. Yeah. So I like to give a shout out to them that it's a good place to buy. The book is actually um, released in August of 2021 and it's available for pre-order now on Amazon. Oh, perfect. Or- so they can order ahead of time. Beautiful. Well, this is wonderful and I can't wait. I'm actually going to get on for the pre-order because I want to be able to read this when it comes out. So um, Stephanie, I just really appreciate you being on the show today, sharing your message, your story and and empowering women. I, I just love your message. I love everything about it. I think it's going to really help us to just be who we are. You bet. And uh, thank you. Thank you for being on the show. And I will make sure and put in the show notes, the uh, links for those uh, different uh, places to purchase a book and, and allow people to be able to get those pre-ordered. So thank you again. Oh, thank you so much, Donna. You're welcome. This is Donna Gammon, and this is Power to Grow. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave a review now, and I will give you a free download of my blessed morning. This is something that is worth so much. It's what I use to get past my past, if you know what I mean. Until our next show... Thank you again for joining us. This is Donna Gammon, and this is Power to Grow.